0: And Get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Mark Groves Podcast. I'm going to share with you a personal story of mine today from my own relational experience, something that certainly molded me and and really shaped a lot of my relational life when I wasn't aware of it. Before I do that, I want to share something that I wrote that is relevant and will connect. And uh, I'll start that now. If the truth burns down a relationship, a family, a community, or a society, it was only ever held together by lies. And to that I say, let it burn. I never want to live in a world where our need for comfort supersedes our need to stand on a foundation only the truth can provide. Relationships so often dance around the elephant in the room. Disconnection, lies, betrayal, distance, hurt, pain, discomfort. All of it gets swept under the rug and traded in for the illusion of connection and safety families, societies, businesses, cultures, religions, a lot of them often function with the collective agreement that we don't talk about that thing or those things. But whether you talk about the truth, the truth always lives. It lingers in the ether and hiding from it comes out in shadow-based coping mechanisms and attempting to escape from the reality that integrity had to leave the table for us to sit at it. But the reality is that when we have to participate in a lie to hold any human system afloat, we have to trade in a part of ourselves. Now, granted, I wanna add the caveat that sometimes we don't bring the truth forward for our own survival and or for the survival of of our children. And I'm not here to be the judge of what is right or wrong to hold. But what I do know is that the only person whose opinion matters is our opinion about ourselves and what is right for us in those circumstances. The truth always sets us free. And in a relationship, if it liberates one person, it liberates the other. They just don't know it yet. When we're conditioned to participate in human systems that normalize hiding from the truth, being invited towards it and accepting that invitation can often be too confronting. But the choice isn't really a choice, is it? It's either hide from the truth or suffer from lies. Now, I wrote this from the place of recognition of the pain I've experienced from not having the conversation, not telling the truth, or not being brave and courageous and and, and wanting things to be swept in the rug and be okay. And, And, you know, so often we trade that discomfort for connection you know we want this sort of calm or peace or certainty or the illusion of those things which isn't really garnered from being quiet or not talking about the truth because it's not actual peace because below it is the turmoil that we know exists so if you've listened to the podcast from the start you're likely familiar with the story of sort of how and in different you know episodes and conversation i've talked about how my engagement ended in that really gave birth to all of these conversations and this desire to understand human behavior and human connection and relationships and and then to share those learnings with you. And you know, on my journey, probably about eight years in, I was on a, a, a video call. I'm like a Zoom call. I don't even I don't think Zoom was around then. I was on like a Skype call with an incredible relationship writer named Kelly Marceau. It was the first time we had met and I had just written an article called uh, Why You Might Not Be Ready for the Evolved Man You Say You Want. I would never have used the word evolved now because it gives it such a righteous sort of energy to it. Uh, But the idea was that we say that we want something and when it shows up, we actually don't want that because it calls us to be greater. We like to be in the position of sort of knowledge and, and, and certainty and knowing and comfort right and And when we finally attract in a partner who calls us to be greater, who might be a better communicator than us, who might have better boundaries than us, who might actually invite us to level up, it puts us in a place where we're being met or even being invited to expand, and so many of us play in this comfort zone of not stepping into that and and saying, oh, "I just haven't met anyone or I haven't," because we're not open to the possibility of being called forward ourselves or invited to be greater expanded ourselves. So I'm talking to her and this is the first time we've ever chatted, you know, and and, uh, she says to me, Mark, no, actually she said, Groves. Like, I'm like, we don't have the rapport for that. And she's like, have you ever actually let a woman love you? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, of course I have. Whew. And you know, like when you're you you something hits you like in the soul. And I'm like trying to reel in the conversation, trying to reel in myself and and like hold myself steady and and not I've just been seen in such a way I didn't even know I needed to be seen. I didn't even know like those words put together. An experience for me that I, I i I couldn't have done on my own, and I, when I got off the the call with her, I remember thinking to myself like, Oh my God, when was the last time that I actually let someone love me like truly surrendered and and was in a state of possibly getting hurt and my God, the first thing that came to me was when you were 19 and I was like 35 at the time of this conversation so that tells you it's I was 16 years maybe 15 you know I might have been around 20 it had been 15 years since I truly let someone love me and I thought to myself like what happened that I wouldn't let anyone close. And I I recognized how much I danced in unavailability and, and chose people who were moderately unavailable or ran from anyone who could love me. I mean, gosh, I participated in relationships in those times. And when my engagement ended, I really wanted to embrace the understanding of relationship. But it's almost like that knowledge became a righteous space. Like it held me in a hierarchy of like, I'm learning these things and I understand these things. And I'm afraid of a woman who could really meet me there. But I didn't, I wasn't conscious of that. My partner selection was, was really reinforcing that. So I look back and I'm like, okay. So what happened when I was 19 is I was dating this woman who was incredible. And, you know, I'd say up until that point, relationships sort of, came easy to me in that I was really passionate about them. I really wanted to love. I really wanted to sort of like, maybe it, it's similar for you, but I really wanted to sort of live that fairy tale story. When we had been dating about a year and she had gotten a full ride scholarship to the States for, for sports. And, and so, you know, it's like June-ish that we're talking about, like, what are we going to do? Like, it's maybe a 14-hour drive. I'm in college. I don't have money to fly or anything like that. You know, so we come up with this agreement that we can see other people we will just tell each other if that happens, if, you know, if we're pursuing other people. But I got to tell you, I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to see other people. And so you already know, like, Like, this isn't going to end good because that's the moment of self-betrayal, that like in order to keep the connection, I was willing to forego what I actually wanted to avoid the pain of, of losing her and losing the relationship. So she goes away and she comes back around Canadian Thanksgiving and and if you're not Canadian just so you know Canadian Thanksgiving is the exact same as US Thanksgiving we just don't have that big shopping day after and she's coming back and one of her other good friends went on the on a similar scholarship and and they're bringing back their friend and her friend just happens to be like like Adonis and is the running back for the football team and he wants to see what is (laughs) Canadian Thanksgiving like it's the exact fucking same okay buddy um so I go to her house for dinner for Thanksgiving dinner I remember sitting at the table and I remember exactly where I was sitting and I'm sitting there and in her mom's there her dad's there her him and her, and I remember sitting there and just being like, wait, there's something going on here. And you know, like if I had been (laughs) at someone with boundaries or like not such a doormat, you know, that's the kind of thing where you see in a movie, someone throws the table up like, what's happening here? (laughs) None of them like that. Uh, I don't know. You know when I think about the dinner I don't know if I fucking just chewed my mashed potatoes like what the fuck But the one memory I have is is being at the bottom of the stairs and saying sort of goodbye I guess and just saying like is this how you tell me You know like is is something going on here And she's like yeah And I remember getting in my car and and driving away, and you know I had a <laughs> I had a real sexy nineteen eighty three Honda Prelude with super limo tint and a subwoofer. <laughs> I couldn't be more cliche. I'm, I'm almost certain I had frosted tips and a puka shell necklace. But I remember getting in my car and driving away and just being devastated. And you know, when I looked back at, like, why I hadn't let anyone love me, when I drove away from that house, I, I made it mean that when I love people, they betray me, they lie. And I think even more so, like, I betray myself, I lose me. Honestly, I was so beside myself for, I was in some serious darkness and, you know, Canadian Thanksgiving is in October and I I, I don't think it's a good thing to have Halloween right after a breakup, (laughs) you know, but I remember going to uh, a party, a Halloween bar party. And like making out with three girls on a dance floor, I'd never done anything like that. But man, I was just so much like relationship hurts me. I didn't know this at the time, but I'm telling you in hindsight, that's exactly what's going on was like, I've been in my integrity. I've been loving all out and look at me devastated. And then other people are in casual relationships and they're fine. I sort of traded in, I didn't sort of, I did. I traded in my integrity because I didn't know how to navigate the pain. And I remember being in the darkest places and like just one time talking to my friend on the phone, my friend Monica, and I just started crying and she just dropped everything, came over, friend for life there. And so, you know, this is, I guess where the story gets a little more entertaining. I go to the bar. I forget what I'm dressed as. I think like a newsie. I think that's what I was. When you don't have an outfit, you're like, I could put together this, put on a little accent. Like, does anyone want a newspaper? And I take my, yeah, I take this girl home to my parents' house. I just want to point out that having your first one night stand and taking a parent, yeah, or sorry, taking a person home to your parents' house is actually not in the handbook. And I would recommend against that. And she's dressed as the devil, which is not lost upon me. And and although she certainly wasn't, she's an incredibly kind person. Um, but you got to love <laughs> the metaphor, right? Um, and, you know, we're making out and I go to like, start doing the thing. I, I I'd never been in a situation like this. I'd only been intimate with someone that I really loved or like was opening my heart to. And you know, in this state I'm like drinking. So my heart's not even open because I'm drinking to numb my pain. And you know, all the systems should be go, you know, you're like, check, 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 and then go to do the thing. And and I can't, I can't get an reaction. I remember thinking like, wait, what? This has never happened. And you know, then it's internalizing what's wrong with me. Like what, that I can't, and you know, I can tell you for certain I knew, well, I didn't know on a conscious level, but there was an intuitive part of me that was like, you need to be connected to do this. And I remember talking to my friend who said to me once, like, I realized my heart is connected to my dick and like literally, obviously, but like emotionally. But because of the conditioning as a male, and I can only speak to my experience, it was sort of like, what's wrong with you that you can't do this? Like that those two things are correlated. And I would imagine no matter your gender, the idea that intimacy is correlated to emotional safety, of course it is, right? So man, I... I sort of start to realize that like, you know, obviously that doesn't end with any sort of, you know, we always laugh. It's like, it's like trying to put a marshmallow in a piggy bank. That's what happens (laughs) in those situations. But I realized that like, every time I try to be intimate because I didn't want relationship, I'm now like, okay, I'm going to become a player, quote unquote. I'm going to not allow any closeness. I don't know that this is going on. Remember on a conscious level, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just going to, get to know women and date I've never really been single and played the field and as soon as anyone wanted a relationship with me I ran for the hills but you know as I'm going out and drinking and you know trying to hook up I realized that if I drink enough I can sort of numb my integrity I can numb my values and of you know of course that's not a good place to get to because you realize that you're literally putting your body in situations that are not safe and you keep on, I kept on rewounding myself, you know, and I remember uh, years later sitting at a conference where the guy speaking was talking about quitting drugs and alcohol. And he said, he was an investment banker and he said, you know, one day I just woke up and I realized I couldn't do it anymore. You know, I was like, trading so much of my life away. And I remember he said, like, what matters to you most? And I remember thinking, connection. And then I realized that I like very often was not present for connection because of drinking and where it all went back. And you know, I I tell you this whole story because there's some important lessons in it. One is that if we don't explore grief and go into it, we will never be able to touch that edge of the depth of our love. Because if you think about it, I explored, there were two upper limits that I created in intimacy from that. One is, and I, and I invite you to do this, is finish the sentence and go with the first thing that comes to you, not what you want it to be, When I let people love me, they. And just like figure out where does it go. And the second one, when I love people, I. And for me, that was when I let people love me, they betray me, lie to me. And when I love people, I betray myself. And so these upper limits, because I couldn't explore them, I didn't know how, my relational upper limits, I chose and participated in relationships in a way, including sabotaging them, including not letting people love me, including not being able to move to deeper levels that were being demanded of me. But I didn't know on an unconscious level there was so much grief to be explored, anger, rage, and so you get to know these limits, because if you don't get to know them, you will never allow someone near that space that you haven't explored. It will be the the box that you wrap up and put in the corner, never wanting anyone else to see it. And so when it comes to the time of like, hey, it's that time to like go deeper, the only way to go deeper is for us to go deeper. And it's like, I can't. I don't know why, but I can't. So this is an opportunity for you to explore why. The other thing I want to say is, you know, often I get told, "Like I can't believe that happened at that dinner," and like da da da. da. First off, we were young, and I have no blame, only love uh, for her because that is one of the greatest teaching moments of my life, which is small betrayals, not wanting. To to date other people, not saying, claiming what I actually wanted and, and saying this relationship in the container it's going towards is not actually what I want. Small betrayals become giant betrayals later. You only end up at your, whatever your Thanksgiving dinner is for you, you only end up there. If you make decisions earlier on, if you're willing to look at where small betrayals occur, they become giant ones. Instead of focusing on just the pain, not dismissing it, but just focusing on the pain and the betrayal and the anger, actually look for where do you betray you? You know, if someone ghosts you, it's like, where do you ghost you? And what a beautiful thing to recognize that I left Mark long before Mark was left. And there is a lot of grief in that. And that's why emotion still comes up for me when I tell the story, not because it's not processed, but because I'm so actually connected to the 19-year-old version of me who thought that was the best course forward, that that was my only option. But there are so many options before that of saying, this doesn't work. And in the space, when you claim yourself is is where what you claim shows up. When you don't stand in the truth of what you want, you inevitably get what you don't want. And, you know, just being 1% off or 2% today in a moment can lead to being 1,000% off in five years. And And I say this to bring to your awareness the importance of recognizing where you are out of alignment and out of integrity to claim it again. Because you know what? We're usually one to two big decisions, big conversations from, from getting back. And you deserve to be back. Just as that conversation with Kelly Marceau rocked my world, but oh my God, it made me see my whole life in a different way. It made me meet 19 year old me, 27 year old me. It made me acknowledge their pain, their confusion, And it was so interesting because I was sort of like on this mission to discover how to create fulfilling relationships. But it was so absence of the recognition of the depth of that you can only do that by really cultivating a deep understanding within yourself and a presence within yourself. And all of it is necessary because when you love someone, you sign up for possibly being hurt. And the deeper you go into intimacy and love, the more you feel what it might be like to lose them to death, to whatever life brings. And if we don't get to explore death and pain and grief, we won't be able to keep swimming on the edges. And and really intimacy is always about being on the edge. If you're in a container where you know exactly how it's gonna go and you've been in limbo and, and taking things for granted, you are not on your edge. You're slight, you're, you, I would invite you to explore where you're abandoning yourself and where you're not touching more. The relationship itself is an invitation to explore the complexities of who you are, the multitudes of who you are. And so I share this story with you to invite you to explore what are your upper limits, where do you sabotage How do your relational choices reinforce those upper limits and protect you from touching them? What are you afraid to explore and touch that is your own? Get to know it. Much love.